Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Really, really good. We've had a great week with some, some elves coming in to help us. The guardian angels were here. Guardian angels were here. My parents are in town. Parents are in town for President's Day weekend, and we asked them to be on the podcast. We have some special guests tonight. We're talking wine with my parents, John and Linda Coker. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, folks, uh, is this your first podcast you've ever been on? Yes. Well, it's episode 80, and the theme of the show is drinking with parents, right? We wanted to... Oh, yeah, that's a great theme. Talking about wine with our parents, maybe your parents out there, maybe you are parents to kids who are out there drinking wine, so that's what we want to talk about. And Catherine, I know you've been thinking a lot about the wines that we drink with my parents, and you thought of something special for the wine tonight, so what are we drinking tonight? I am really excited to introduce this wine to you. I think it's going to be a surprise, hopefully a happy, fun surprise. It is called uh, Domaine du Crampil. Please excuse my pronunciation. It's from Maderan, and this is La Originelle, vintage 2016. So it's a French wine. It's a red wine. And I'm super excited to tell you all about it. But first, let's just... uh, Enjoy it and have a little chat. So, Mom, Dad, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. I know you've listened to the majority of the shows. Can't say you've listened to all 79, unlike my middle sister, Lindsay, who I think has listened to everyone, or maybe our most devoted fan. I bet Dad has. I listened to probably 70 of the 80. Well, have you left a review yet? We've been asking a lot of people to leave reviews, ratings, subscriptions. I've tried to leave reviews. (laughs) A lot of times it's easier said than done yes, for me. Yes, that's right. That's right. We're working on your technology and uh, your technological yes. advancement. Mm-hmm. Well, we did have a friend that asked if he could be put on the list. So I guess that means a subscription. Yeah. I guess well, that's what it means. How does he do that? I'm so glad you asked. You know, for those of you out there listening to the podcast, you can always leave a rate, rating, review, and subscribe at uh, Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and say, hey, Tug and Catherine are great. Tug is okay and Catherine's great. You know, whatever, whatever or you, you want to Or you can just say, great pod, five stars. Great pod, five stars. You all are in town just to be with our, your grandkids. But you didn't answer my question oh, wait, what's about that, what's that? how to subscribe. I think you just click on a button, Mom. Well, I don't know. Well, I, I know. I wasn't yelling at you. I mean, that's, just, that's part of the energy of the show. <laughs> that was me doing... It, it, it is. <laughs> you, do, you do just go to the uh, picture on, the, on, um, on Apple Podcasts and you click it to just subscribe. It's free and easy. The picture of what? The long... <laughs> it's the, I'll show it to you. Okay. The long finish. And I can take a picture of it and text it to you and you can text it to your friend. Okay. Because he's a great wine lover. Ooh. Well, thank you for doing the, the groundwork for us. But this is the most generational difference uh, podcast uh, beginning that you possibly have. Like explaining how to subscribe. This is probably wonderful for many of our listeners that... Still haven't subscribed, but yeah. find a way to listen. So you're in town this week to be with your grandkids over President's Day weekend. We called you in because you said you wanted to leave 
on Monday. We said, no, no, please stay because we need you for the day off of school. Now, our week's been crazy, as you all know. Last week, our three-year-old, one of the kids in his preschool class came down with COVID. And as you all know out there, we've spent two years of being nimble and flexible with our schedules. But this was another week where we thought we'd have our kid in school. We'd have a routine set up. That routine was yanked away from us. We had to become nimble with our schedule. Well, I'm, I'm grateful that we have flexibility. I don't know how parents that work 50, 60 hours a week, both parents out of their home do it. How do they do it? I don't know. Oof. Well, anyway, you know, he's not sick and he's so happy. And the other child in the class is totally well. So that's all good. Going back to school tomorrow. But we yeah. are lucky enough to have some reinforcements in this week to help us with our schedule. What's your assessment on the week? How, how has the week been for you all out here in California? Well, it's been wonderful because we got to have Quinn by himself, which doesn't always happen. And then it's our three-year-old. It's our three-year-old. And then we have got to have Bo, but we got to spend a great amount of time with our precious baby, Cass. That's our I got to feed him. Catherine and I do have different philosophies on how messy <laughs> a baby can be. <laughs> yes. Well, it's nice for us because our two other children, the girls live in Virginia. So we see them commonly, but Tug and Catherine and their three boys, we don't see as often in, in Los Angeles, Culver City. So it was awesome for us to be able to come out here, spend time, go to the parks, go shopping, go to the pet stores, go to his uh, baseball games. Um, you and I went to Riviera for, went the, to Riviera for the, to the golf watch tournament. The, uh, golf tournament, which was uh, awesome. I've always watched it on TV and was glad to be there in person to see some of my favorite players, Sergio and Justin Thomas and some of those all the great golfers. So we had a wonderful, it's been a wonderful trip. We leave tomorrow, but... We've had a great five or six days we've been out here and look forward to coming back in a few months, we hope. And I said, before you go, we got to get you on a podcast to get all your thoughts on wine and other alcoholic beverages. So, Catherine, you and I have been drinking wine with my parents for a long time. How would you say that their wine tastes have changed over our time together? Well, like anyone, you know, tastes evolve and change over time. And it's been so fun to see because I remember coming to your house early on and you had lots of bottles of Etude, that Pinot Noir from Carneros, and you were so into Tony Soder, the winemaker there, and those wines. Then you were into Oregon Pinot Noirs. We would always choose that when we were going out. And then slowly things started to change. You're wanting and interested in more robust wines, lots of California cabs, sometimes a Chianti or a Rioja. And now really in that cab world or like that fruit forward world is, and with some tannin and structures where I see you guys are always choosing bottles in that in that direction. And it's been fun for us to always kind of choose bottles that we all like. And so, I mean, our listeners know that I'm always trying to find that common ground. But we've had great luck with Zinfandel. We've had some great luck with Red Blends. We've had some great luck with Syrah. And tonight's wine is no exception. I think it's going to be a good crossover wine, a good wine that we can all enjoy. So before we get into this, I want to ask you, do you find it normal for people to go into a, from a lighter red into a more bold, fuller red evolution in one? I, I don't really know yeah. what, what is normal in terms of evolving the palate. I know that a lot of times people will go from liking something fruity to liking something more earthy or liking something just sweet and then dry and then back to sweet again. I personally have gone through many changes in my taste just because 
I've been pregnant three times. And so learning how that changes. And it's funny because you identify with your taste so much. Well, this is me and this is what I like. And then when your body changes, it's like, oh, maybe that wasn't me. I mean, I'll always say that when I got pregnant the first time, I realized I liked Grenache. So it's a fun thing to allow that the taste to change. Doug? Yes. So I was thinking what Catherine was saying. We're coming on our 50th wedding anniversary, and we were early on in our years. A little we plug, did. a little plug for your wedding. Yeah, so uh, we had the anniversary. <laughs> next year, next January 20th, get those gifts in. All right? Send some gifts out to Freddysburg VA. But we drank Pinot Noir because I don't know if we knew the difference. No. I'm a, the first wine we drank was... Please. That Behringer, that pink wine... That my mother drank. You talk about drinking wine with your parents. We could guzzle that stuff. <laughs> I love it. My grandmother would love that. But then we had. Then we just drank so, that. So you're saying Pinot was the first at your at your wedding was the first one. The wine oh you heavens! Uh, we didn't have wine at our with wedding. With So so when 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 was the Pinot? What you speak? I don't remember. I just remember early on we just started maybe because of the movies that we used to have a Pinot Noir, maybe this or that, but we just happened, we heard it, we knew about it. Right. Cabernets we didn't know much about, we didn't know about anything else, but we heard of Pinots. So we started having those, and then, as you all know, Catherine and Tug, that about 15 years ago, I wanted to know a little bit more about wine. I knew Catherine's being a sommelier, and they're having the restaurant Esther's, that I started a men's wine group in town because I wanted to be able to go to a restaurant and be able to look at a menu and have some knowledge of what I was least ordering. And so we 15 years we've been doing that, but realizing as I go through this that there's like 555,000 bottles of different types of wine to learn about, and it's just, you know, it's easier said than done, but we're learning to get better. And so because of that, we've progressed to liking more full-bodied Cabernets wines. Just through experience and things like that, tasting wines. I mean, I think it's important to be excited about the fact that you'll never have those 50,000 bottles <laughs> and and find the fun in that. I mean, that's what I love. Like, I think about this podcast. You know, it doesn't start with Wine 101. We just started with a wine. We just start in the middle, and you just keep going and learning about things. And People ask me all the time, have you ever heard of this wine? I'm like, no. Have you heard of this one? Oh, yeah. And for me, that's exciting. Yeah. Because if there's not like eight to ten new wines at Esther's every week, I'm not doing my job. I want, I love new things. That's what's fun about it. So we've had a few guests on the show, and I always ask them what their relationship was to wine in their household growing up. So I want to ask you all the same question. And for your households growing up, do you remember wine being on the table? Do you remember your parents drinking wine? Do they drink other things? What was your what What are your first memories of wine when it comes to your family? I have no memory of wine with my family. Except for Behringer at your wedding. Behringer. Yeah. It wasn't at our wedding. It's just what mother started to drink. Okay, gotcha. But we always had old granddad and Coke <laughs> for daddy. <laughs> and mom had Jack Daniels and water. We never had wine. And this is in Oklahoma, right? This is in Oklahoma. Miami, Oklahoma. Miami, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in Nelsonville, Ohio. And my dad was a beer distributor. He sold uh, Carling Black Label uh, and Meisterbrow Coker Distributing. And so I don't remember ever having wine ever until I was married, probably. So we had beer, uh, beer usually. I don't remember ever having wine. Maybe in Christmas sometimes they, we may have had it, but I don't remember it. Did you have wine at your wedding? No, we did not. But I do remember when we were dating, we had that bottle of, one bottle was Lancer's because you could put a candle in it. And the other bottle. What? 
Yes. Put you, a candle? You drank the wine and you used it for a candle holder. Very interesting. And then there was the Matus. other one that was called Matus. And it was shaped like a heart. <laughs> and you drank the wine and then you made a decoupage bottle that says, I love you, Herbie, my love bug. <laughs> that is awesome. I think that I, I really failed tonight. I should have gotten that as our Yeah, our you really bottle. did blow that. You should have done your research. We did not have any wine at our wedding. Our wedding was so old-fashioned that it, our reception was in the church basement. I remember. Cake. Well, I don't remember, but I remember the picture. We had a cake, peanuts. and we had a groom's peanuts. cake, <laughs> and we had those little butter mints. We had butter mints. I there was no booze or no, no alcohol? Absolutely not. Coffee? Oh, I don't remember coffee. But then we went to my parents' house afterwards, but I'm sure there was no wine. There was just old granddad. Old granddad and water. For some, I remember there's one story I remember about you all at a wedding. Oh yeah, Dad, I grew up in a household where I don't remember you drinking wine. Like you didn't drink beer or wine or cocktails when I was growing up. I mean, there was no, there was no at the I table. I was always trying to set an example for my children. Yes, well, that, you failed and because I, I, I drink it. Oh, I failed. <laughs> I didn't feel like I should be demonstrating something I didn't want them to do. <laughs> I mean, but we've had this conversation with a couple other people where their parents did not drink wine until they raised their kids, and now they drink wine, you know, more regularly. Like, I have a glass of wine at night, which is kind of the path that you all have taken. But um, it's, it's interesting to me, I think, about when I think about you guys enjoying wine with me or, and with Catherine, that was not the case. I never saw it, you know, growing up. What was your one story you were going to say? Oh, the story I was going to say was Mom always told us that you went to a wedding and there was a champagne tower uh, you, you did have some champagne there, Dad. It was a champagne fountain. It was a champagne fountain. It was a <laughs> and stuffed grape leaves. It was a Lebanese wedding in West Virginia. And we had been to so few weddings that we didn't even know there was a father-daughter dance. So when the bride and her father went out on the dance floor, we did too. Amazing. That's awesome. I was in trouble after having that champagne <laughs> <laughs> that night. <laughs> So fast forward to the kids in your house growing up. You want to get into some more wine, finally. We bring in my wife, girlfriend at the time, wife, Catherine. Starts to introduce all of us to a bunch of wines. I mean, there are certain wines that you remember that we've had together. The Chocolate Block, I remember, was a popular wine that we had growing up. Etude, I mean, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the aughts. Do you have uh, wine memories with Catherine? Well, I liked the brown. Yes, brown's great. And then what was that one, Daddy, we had the other day that I liked so much? We had Camus. Camus. Yep. That was good. But also some of the memories I've mentioned traveling as we developed taste. When we were in South Africa, the Pinotage, we liked that and came back to try to buy so much of the United States, which was easier said than done to find. Couldn't find a lot of it, but it just changed. We just, I don't know if we grew up, but just started liking wine. We have get-togethers with couples. You have wine. That's how it all evolved, just getting together with people, having wine. So that's how we became more um, influenced, having wine and having get-togethers. I mean, you and I did share a bottle of Boone's Farm during one Christmas. So you want to talk about real evolution? That's that's you know we're we're just Americans. Oh, there's yeah, I don't remember. I think it was blueberry or was blue. It? it was blue color. It was like was a, well, the wine we're having tonight is not anything like Boone's Farm. I'm I'm sorry, it's not. Let's talk about the wine that we have tonight. Why you chose it. And let's let's learn a little something about this one. Yes. Yeah, so this is the Domaine du Crampil. It's Le Original from Madaran. That's a region in France. And this is vintage 2016. 
I chose this because it is full bodied. It is inky, definitely has some structure, but I thought maybe you'd never had a wine from Madaran before. It's very small region, not very known, and it's mostly known in the world for the grape of Tanat, T-A-N-N-A-T, which is arguably one of the most tannic grapes in the world, and it's also arguably one of the healthiest because it has a ton of uh, tons of resveratrol in it, which lots Whoa. of antioxidants. So Word of the night: like that. Resveratrol. I think it's Reservatrol. Reservatrol. Listen, there's one thing we don't do well on this podcast. And is that's name healthy. Pronounce things. things. <laughs> so this is from the, 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 the tiny little village in southwest France. It's probably, it's south of Bordeaux, about two hour drive. And it's two hours west of Toulouse, just south of the region where Armagnac is. Uh, so really close to the border of Spain. Rolling hills, very warm, and Tanat grows really well there. And wines from Madaran have to be at least 60% or most are at least 80% Tanat. And they're actually softened a lot of times with Cabernet Sauvignon or even Cabernet Franc or a really rare grape called Fir. But this is 100% Tanat, so it's a great example. Now, Tanat is really coming up in the world because it's kind of... It's it's just blowing up in Uruguay. It is pretty much the national grape of Uruguay. And it's a little bit different there than it is in France. In France, it's more red-fruited and it's like earthier. And in Uruguay, I would say there's more black fruit. It's a little bit, little bit more chocolatey, a little bit softer and like less rough. But in any case, Tanat always needs a lot of time to soften. And this is 2016. So... Already we have six years in bottle, but allowing it to soften. And this is from a small family-owned winery, fourth generation, practicing organic, and this is all aged in stainless steel. And so not any heavier tannins from the wood or anything. This is just really pure to not. Interested why you would go to not for my parents, knowing that they're not into tannins i would say normally they're tannin avoiders so how did how did this this weigh into your decision making i'm not sure i agree with that Ooh, well they're here let's ask them yeah well cabernet sauvignon is kind of a tannic grape variety but what i would say is that you're they don't like a lot of bite a lot of high acid and grip on the finish and i think this has a softness to it that would appeal to them also, I thought it would be fun to have a grape variety that's sort of like sideways from Cabernet Sauvignon, not just the, you know, usual old sort. And I definitely thought that you would appreciate the health benefits of this wine since you're on the health kick. I'm on a health kick right now. People should know that my mom and I are both on health kicks. Dad is sort of perpetually on a health kick, but mom and I are really going for it this year. There's been several nights this week where there's been a bourbon and ginger ale enjoyed by Catherine and my and dad, but not by mom and I. We've been sticking to the plan here. So, so this is part of your plan. You're getting antioxidants tonight. Have, this, this, is, is the, this, this is the red wine that fits into the healthy red wine just category. Just eating a bunch of blueberries, basically. Yes, is what we're doing. Yeah. Well, it looks looks good from a glass from from my our standpoint. Well, looks good. It smells good. And we're doing a, t- a toast. 
No, no. no here, here's what I'm I wanna, looking at the color. Here's I what can't I want to do. See through it. Great. Here's how I'd like the next few minutes to go. You describe a little bit about the wine, and then I want my parents to describe the wine and what they're tasting, and then I want you to basically translate the things that they're tasting. Okay. All answers are correct. All answers are correct. But some words are, are very... Are very um, and we can go with the whiny words. Yes. So, first of all, yes, the color is dark, right? This is opaque. I cannot see my ring through this. It is very, very inky, black, purple. It's looking good. It's first step. And then I'm going to swirl the glass. I didn't even need to swirl it, though. I could just already see the legs hanging on it. This is just like thick. And they're coming down pretty slow. It's like this wine has some viscosity to it. All right, let's put our nose in there. I mean, that I love this nose. It's like warm spices and cinnamon and chocolate. This is how I know that mom is my mom. She goes right to the tasting. Yeah. Well, when I when I when I'm when I'm doing a wine training or a, or a tasting at Esters, no. By the time I get to the I said, oh, now you're tasted. But if you're my husband, I'll, I'll give you some more because you've already drank the whole thing. <laughs> Anything else you're thinking about on the nose? No, but I just when we look at this wine, I mean, to me, I mean, I, I'm not obviously not a sommelier level, but, you know, it's like you say, dark and the legs. But one of the weaknesses of my nose is I'm not as skilled to pick out all the different things, whether it's fruity or berry or earthy or all that, but... I just know it looks and smells really good. Well, that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's the best I can do. It looks and start. smells good. Yeah. And then and maybe after we taste it, I'll be able to tell more. But um, what about you, Linda? I really don't think in those terms. <laughs> <laughs> I just what? say, yes, I like it. Or well, no, what, what she, she, was, she was whispering to me, blackberry, cassis. Oh, yes, I, yes, cassis was all Definitely over says cassis a lot around the house. <laughs> All this black, black fruit and warm, dark spices, like baking spices, like a, or or a cedar closet kind of like a, in a good way. You know what I did, Tug and Catherine, one of my wine groups, I brought cassis. I brought all those things and had everyone smell them right there in front of us. That's awesome. Because That's you know you can talk about cassis, but it really and, and smell that or the spices, and it really made more sense to me. Really seeing it and holding Casir, seeing it, and anyway, that it was that was what we did. Well, it's, it's really smart you do that because I, you know, joke with Catherine all the time about the things that wine professionals use as indicators for stuff on the nose, like freshly opened can of tennis balls mm-hmm. or well, yeah, petroleum. I or think it sounds. Petrol. You know, sometimes those things sound either off-putting or weird the first couple times you hear it. And I wouldn't say that I know what that smells like necessarily and then picked it out of a glass but it's like what you were saying john if you taste with people that are better tasters than you all the time and they start to say oh that smells like coconut that's coconut then you're like oh that's what they're talking about i understand it's a language you know so you just start to like Okay, well, that's what they're calling coconut? Okay, well, I'll call that coconut, too. You know, it's somebody decided on all these grocery terms that we're using for wine, when really we could just talk about it in sort of loose poetical terms. But once you learn the language, then you can participate. And I think also just doing it enough times, I'm lucky enough to drink so many wines with you. Like you said, it, it is like a language because I don't know what bottle number it was, like 264 
where I was smelling it, and I was like, oh, I can actually describe what I'm smelling. It's just one of those things where you're just 10,000 hours, right? Mal- Malcolm Gladwell, just that's my 10,000 hours is just, just drinking wine. Talking, Catherine, we did one interesting thing with our wine opening, kind of tying into this. We had five bottles, no, four bottles of wine, and we had them covered. And we tried to go around the room, and, disc- and we'd pour it, and, and we'd open it up and see what it was. And it, everyone had their own opinions about this was this, this was this wine, this was you know, oak barrels, this was this. And, and the, each wine we did things, and, and it ended up being it was the same wine. We had. Oh, that's awesome. And it wouldn't have been open, it would have been decanted, one had been this. And we all thought we knew so much. They started rattling off this and that and ended up being the same wine that's bottle. Pretty, pretty funny. So that's anyway, that was one story. Awesome. It's a great April Fool's joke for, yes. for the wine world. That would be hilarious. Wow, that would really send some sommeliers screaming <laughs> yeah. out the door. Yeah. Okay. So I, I see people drinking now, so yes, let's get into that. Palette. Yeah. So yeah. I think the palate is different than I expect. After the nose, it's not exactly what I expect. There's more red fruit on the palate. The, the nose had more black, fr- black fruit. The palate is a little bit more, it has a lot of acid. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of grip to it. There's medium tannin, medium plus acid, medium body. But it just has this more underripe, crunchier feel to it. And different quality of fruit. And none of the warm spices or that chocolate are there to kind of round it out. It's so different. Does the taste linger to you? Does it linger a little bit? It lingers to me. Yeah. And I don't really like it that much because I don't think it's as full-bodied as I thought it would be. It's different than you mm-hmm. thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the, a huge factor. The nose is totally different than the palate. Well, I will say, I think this wine is delicious, really well made. But I also think it's not a wine that I would necessarily choose for my parents because you use two buzzwords that they're against, which is tannin and high acid. Those are usually things that my parents... I think it's the acid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also... So do you even really know my parents? I don't my, know. my question to you. No. You know, <laughs> listen, this, is, this, this podcast is about broadening your horizons. We're growing. It's about trying something new. That's right. And I always say, you know, if you don't like a wine, it's great because it's an opportunity to figure out what it is that you don't like and learn to put words to that. And so you can tell someone in a restaurant, here's what I don't like and talk about it intelligently and confidently. So sorry you don't like it uh, or no. don't love it. But I, I think... One thing that is fun about this is because this is one of those wines where if you had it blind, you might be able to figure out where it was from. Because what I was talking about before with Uruguay and to not from the Southern Hemisphere, a warmer climate, more black fruit, chocolatey, and from France, more red fruit, more acid, more earthy. Also, wine from the old world, wine from Europe, the fruit is always more underripe on the palate. So if it smells like it's going to be ripe and sweet, and then it's more tart on the palate, you know it's from France or Italy or Spain. So if you're in a blind tasting, it's great. Now, Catherine, um, I would not even have ever thought of Uruguay as having wine. I would have never guessed that in a multiple choice question. And another thing is, would this wine taste different if it was decanted or would it taste different with food? Would definitely taste different with food, and it will taste different if it's been open for a while. Which Catherine wanted to do 
you know, our nights have gotten longer as we try to put the kids to bed. But that was your instinct to decant the wine for a longer time than we did tonight. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, it was a fail. My problem. No, no, no. no. Uh, I actually, I actually like the wine. But what about <laughs> go back to Uruguay? Uruguay. It was. I didn't realize that was a. I bet most of your viewers don't know that well it's it we don't see that much of it here yet but it's coming i will say i've i had a dessert wine from uruguay that was 100 percent to not that i think would probably change your mind it was one of the most delicious wines i've ever tasted it was like a s'more in a wine but they're just not that common it's it's hard to find but it's coming up and people are very excited about it so and i meant to say hearers not viewers Listeners. Oh, yeah, listeners. Yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, it doesn't matter at all. We're all learning. Um, so my question to you is this. I'm very excited that mom was honest about her opinion because I want people to know that my mom was like this my entire life. <laughs> Just telling people what she thought. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's who I was raised by. <laughs> I, I know it every day. <laughs> um. Any fun nuggets on the winemakers themselves? Because I think, you, yes, there's some people here you know, on the show who aren't fans of Tanat, but I think there probably are a lot of our listeners will be into Tanat. So mm-hmm. are there other stories and fun nuggets from the producers of the wine that we want to share? So I, I, I never see wines from this region. I mean, this is the first one I've ever brought into Esther's. So I think it's fun. There's just not there's just not very much of it out there. It's not super popular. It's so it's a great I think alternative to Bordeaux blend or uh, Malbec from Cahors that is you know a full bodied red from s- Southwest France, and it's probably not going to have a huge price tag. But this is um, Le Crampil is the name of the winery, and it dates back to the late 1800s. So this is the fourth generation now, but it started when Melanie Crumpeel married Sabine O'Lear, who was the mayor of the village. And he started utilizing the windmill and the land, and he gave his wife's name to the estate. And today it's run by, I guess, her grandson or great-grandson, Bruno O'Lear. So they just... Have Tanat. That's what they're making, 100%. This is aged in stainless steel. It's 20 to 30-year-old vines. These are pretty old vines. And they make the wine naturally. They just want to let it speak for themselves. As for other producers from Madaran, I read a few of the other wines and winemakers. I'd never heard of any of them. So that back to your note, John, lots of learning for me to do. I don't really know. But I'm curious, and I think that it's always great to meet you know have a small family run winery and taste something that's super special what are you gonna pair with this one something intense i mean really speaking about my brother-in-law who's a hunter and likes to bring in game or deer this would be a great wine for some of the gamier meats because it has that structure it has all that sweet spice on the nose but it would have the acid and some of the tannin to hold up to that gamey meat. And I think that would even make this taste fruitier. Where can we go and find Tanat? Where can our listeners go and get some? I would say look for Madaran as a region, as an appellation. How do you spell that? M-A-D-I-R-A-N. And ask for Tanat. And I would definitely be on the look for those wines from Uruguay. Because if you find them, that could be something really special. 
So you, you mentioned earlier some comps for this wine. Who's going to be into this wine? Because my mom, like she mentioned, Camus, things that maybe are a little different from what we're drinking tonight. But there are a lot of people who are probably going to be into this wine. And who are those people and what are they drinking and what's the comp? Well, I would say if you like Bordeaux, if you like Malbec from Cahors, if, uh, if you like a wine with some structure like a Cabernet, but you also like earthiness and you're looking for something that's like kind of outside the box and you're not afraid of some acidity and a little tannin, this is a great place to start and it's affordable. You can get try a bottle of this without breaking the bank, unlike Bordeaux. And you mentioned the uh, big component, antioxidants. Very good for you. if you want to drink a healthy wine, this is it. Some people are going smoothies after workouts. I say to not. (laughs) Reservatol. (laughs) Reservatol. Yes. To not to smoothies. That's exactly. (laughs) Think about that, Jamba Juice. (laughs) All right, well, that's it. Great, Great to learn about this wine. I hope you all, parents, I'm pointing at you, mom and dad, enjoyed learning about this wine. And now let's get into the last portion of this evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. It's my parents. It's very simple. My two people that reared me and raised me, and here they are. I always joke you know, about my jealousy for my two sisters because they have my parents close by, and they can pick up their other grandchildren straight from school. So whenever I come here, I ask them to sort of do some of those things too. So special five, six days with you both. Really loved to have you here in our life. Hopefully, you'll be out back here sooner rather than later. But uh, that's my inspiration of the week is being around my parents, just getting to see our boys have some fun with you. And uh, I think you've been my inspiration probably two or three times previously, but I'm, um, it's for episode 80, I'm, I'm adding it again. In honor of Jerry Rice, Dad, as you mentioned, number 80, maybe the greatest to ever play NFL, episode 80 goes out to my parents. Catherine, do you have anything? Well, it's hard not to just second that because it's been such a pleasure to have you in town such a pleasure to see you with our kids not only is it such a joy for them but it's a joy for me not only that they get to have that grandparent experience but I too relive my own joys with my grandparents and how special it was to be with them and so thank you for visiting us thank you for spending your time with our children and for being so generous. This is not supposed to be so sappy. I mean, you like. Uh, I can give you something else. I can give you a podcast. I'm just are, telling you the truth. Well, that's very nice. And this will be this. But you, you actually went to France with your grandmother. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. So it's coming full oh circle. Oh my gosh! Yep. Well, what, what was that? St- what was that journey like with your? You know, well, traveling my your grandmother. You know, she kind of regretted this, I think, but she promised us early in high school, <laughs> my cousin and I, that when we graduated, she would take us to Europe. And we reminded her that you owed us a trip to Europe. And so she took my, my cousin Kelsey. We're the same age. We graduated in 98. And my grandmother said, OK, I guess we're going to Europe and we're going to do a tour. And my Aunt Amy came with us. So it was the four of us. And we went to Rome and we went to Switzerland, Lucerne. We went to France. We went to Paris. We were on a bus. We were with the tour group. It was fabulous. And... My Aunt Amy kept a journal, and she just sent it to me of this trip. Has some of the meals that we ate, the experiences. I will I will say the first night in Rome was one of the best nights of my life, probably, because this restaurant was covered in roses everywhere, everywhere. I remember when my grandmother came back from the bathroom. She goes, you have to go to the bathroom. It's the best bathroom. 
And it was a magical night. Traveling with her was, I mean, it was awesome because she just said yes to everything and she would go back to rest when she needed to. But I cannot believe she, I don't know how old she was, but she just did it. She did this tour with us and she was just a sophisticated woman who loved us very, very much. Mom, Dad, John, Linda, any inspirations of the week? Books you've read, books you're reading, music you're listening to? Well, I think the most loving thing to me is to see Tug and Catherine together. Oh, man. It's sappy, yeah. but it's true because I don't see you in everyday life like I see Lindsay and Lori. Right. And to see you move to somewhere that's totally foreign to me as California and to have adjusted so well and taken off on two roads that were never part of either of your families and to be so successful and have made so many wonderful friends... It's pretty inspirational that you both had so much self-confidence that you just did it. Are you so inspired that you might want to do the same? Maybe you no. want to, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This has t- turned into a bit of a uh, love fest out here, so hopefully the uh, <laughs> listeners can enjoy that. I know you're going to cut that love with something very biting here, Dad. What is your inspiration for the week? <laughs> My inspirations are, first of all, I've enjoyed the wine. Mine, the only one of the glass well, empty. Let me pour you some I've more. enjoyed the glass. Thank you, Sam. I have another. <laughs> I've enjoyed Secondly, I concur with Linda. Being out here with Tug, Catherine, and their family, the boys, it's been a wonderful experience for us to see how what wonderful parents they are and uh, how their business is so successful and the 80th podcast for all the listeners out there who have been so supportive and how the it's just for me when I do listen to it I'm amazed at Catherine and her small yayness that's a good word <laughs> small yality small yality <laughs> and Tug is how he orchestrates it for 80 episodes that speaks well for me for them how well they've done that and I hope more people listen and review and we're going to learn how to do that better Linda and myself and then, most importantly, like Linda mentioned, being out here with Catherine and Tug, their kids, uh, it's just been special. and We've cherished every moment of it. I enjoy blowing the balloons, doing all the grandfather things that we can do, helping here, helping there. So it's really priceless, uh, our experience. And I hope that our two daughters and their kids, we get together, hopefully maybe in April, if not in June, all be together as a family to just be together and um and love each other. So anyway, we're glad to be here and glad to be on the podcast. It was kind of a first time for both of us, and hopefully we did okay. You did great. Well, it's 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 a funny thing to remember that the first year of the, of, uh, of the pandemic, we didn't really see each other. You know, so it's nice to be able to see you more the past past year because the first year we didn't see each other for about whatever eight to ten months. But I would we say. did drive. The you drove cross country. That's right. You drove country to cross- see our darling son yes. and his precious wife. And their adorable children. That was epic, that drive. It was epic. And we saw so many friends all the way out here. That was a trip that we'll never forget. Well, I'm just going to go off and do one more inspiration for the week that's not related to family because this was a love fest, which, I, which, which is great. It'll be uh, in perpetuity as a love fest, episode 80. That is actually the new title. Love fest. Love fest. <laughs> love fest. Catherine and I, actually, because of you, mom and dad, watching our kids for four hours, Catherine and I actually had a daytime date yesterday. We went to see a play for the first time in two years at the Mark Taper Forum, which is part of the Center Theater Group in Los Angeles. It brings a lot of touring shows or 
shows that just came off of Broadway. And so there was a play that was called Slave Play that was one of the most nominated plays in Broadway history for 14 Tony nominations, made its way to Los Angeles, written by a Virginian, Jeremy O. Harris. Kind of a provocative show, but we had, I, I think you and I liked it maybe more than we thought we might like it. I agree. Really a, a exciting play. It's not for the faint of heart. There is some very provocative things happening, especially in the first first half of the play. And we saw some people walk out of the play, frankly. And but that, but the stuff that they're doing does pay off if you are to stay through it. But it is cha- it's a challenging play, and it's a kind of amazing that it, the journey it took from Jeremy O'Harris started at Yale. That uh, was produced at Yale, moved to New York Theater wor- Workshop off Broadway, subsequently to Broadway, and now it's making the rounds regionally including in L.A., and it, I would not say it's for, for you, mom and dad. I would say the play is for you, but the people out there who are into challenging pieces of work that are also entertaining and funny, this is a play that you should maybe check out. So Extremely thought-provoking, amazing acting, full of ideas and challenging ideas for our time. It's kind of maybe a life-changing play, really. Wow, for you. Yeah, I can't stop thinking about it. Wow. My youngest sister, Lori, it's a play that she should definitely yes, see. And, she should. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a play called Slave Play. If they do make it out to a regional theaters throughout the country and you feel like you have the ability to be challenged with pieces of theater or art, it's a play for you. But um, for a lot of people, it's not. And they say this. <laughs> Jeremy O'Harris, the playwright, says he comes on beforehand and says, you know, turn your phones off, et cetera. And he's like, you may enjoy this play, you may not. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I want to give one piece of uh, inspirational yeah, work for the I week. I wouldn't necessarily call include that in a love fest. So yeah, thanks for yeah, that. So there you go. Mom, Dad, John and Linda Coker, thanks for being on episode 80 of the show. And your first podcast, your, broad, your, your podcast debut. <laughs> right, our maiden voyage. I will cut it up and make sure you sound amazing. But I love you both. Thanks for being on the show. This will be taped forever. One day our kids and grandkids will listen to this and know that uh, Dad got too drunk off a champagne tower. (laughs) (laughs) Which is all in Charleston, West Virginia. That's all that matters. uh, Anyway, thanks for being on the show. And that's it. That's it for episode 80. Episode 80 of The Long Finish is in the books. Thanks to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. As we said in the beginning, if you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, that would mean a lot to us. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? Find us on Instagram. I'm at Catherine Wild Coker and at The Long Finish. Mom, Dad, you're on Instagram. What's your handles? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I know mine either. It was like Nelsonville 68 or something like that. Uh, mine might be War Dog Queen. All right, we'll, we'll post it on our uh, paper. <laughs> we'll post it on the the, the, the Long Finish uh, podcast. Check it out if you want to follow my parents. Very exciting feeds. No. <laughs> very, very provocative feeds. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thank you to everyone for listening to the show. Go out and have a great week. Be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.